A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I should tell you at the top of this, I'm an only child, so I'm guaranteed weird. I was raised by a single mom, and my dad picked the bottle over me, so comedian. That's comedian Dan Soder in a nutshell, and this is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Today on the podcast, I travel to New York to interview fellow only child Dan Soder, whose new stand-up special premieres this Saturday night on HBO. It's called Son of a Gary, and includes some pretty dark stories about growing up with a single mother and mostly absent father. You might recognize Dan as Mafi from the Showtime series Billions, but in his heart he is purely a stand-up comedian, who performs regularly in New York City and co-hosts The Bonfire on Comedy Central's Sirius XM channel with his good friend Big J Okerson. One of Dan's other close friends happens to be Shane Gillis, who has been a regular guest on The Bonfire long before he gained infamy by getting fired by Saturday Night Live before he started. Dan has a lot of strong opinions about that situation, and he tells us all about it on today's episode. Maybe because he spends upwards of eight hours a week speaking into a radio microphone, Dan was incredibly fun to talk to, and you are not going to want to miss today's show. But first, as always, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you too have strong opinions you want to share. Oh, and if you happen to be listening on Stitcher, we could really use the help with some five-star ratings and reviews there. Check it out and you'll see what I mean. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at LastLaughPod. All right, let's get into it with Dan Soder. It's unbelievable. Who are, who are some of the big people that you saw when you came to New York that you kind of looked up to or, or wanted to, <laughs> to I mean, it was just with. insane. I remember Jim Norton was on a show at Stand Up New York. Like, what, my first week I was there and just, like, walking, watching him walk by me. Mm-hmm. As someone that grew up loving, uh, you know, Tough Crowd and that kind of, mm-hmm. the Opie and Anthony years of, like, I got exposed to so many great comedians because of illegally downloaded Opie and Anthony episodes. <laughs> yeah. Louis C.K., Bill Burr, Patrice mm-hmm. O'Neill. Uh, David Tell, I learned through like you know Insomniac and then his stand-up specials, but it was just crazy to see that. It was just crazy to know that you could go. I went to the cellar one time and just bought a ticket, and I watched the lineup. It was like Geraldo, Patrice, Attell. It was like all these legends: Mike De Stefano, yeah, Mike De Stefano. Sorry, Chris De Stefano and Mike De Stefano. I screw them up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like I was watching. I it just felt right. Yeah. I mean, the cellar is this, you know, sort of hallowed ground in New York now that, you know, it's a big deal to get up there. So how long before you, when you, after you got to New York, were you able to, to get up there? Oh, uh, I think it took me four years. Yeah. Four years of being in New York and, and kind of, I don't know. I was talking to someone about it. The cellar used to be the place that it was the last check. Mm-hmm. You worked everywhere. And then if you were good enough, you got in at the cellar. There's nothing above that. Yeah. And sadly enough, now there's people that work the cellar that only work the cellar. They and start th- there and they... They start there and they, or they kind of, you know, they have mm-hmm. little heat and bar shows that, and then they start there. And 
I'm not knocking them. Good for them. But it's just kind of it's it's a different it's a different club than it was. Yeah. Well, you you had to put in your your dues. I didn't used to walk by it. Now people are comfortable that aren't past sitting down at the table and giving their opinion. Yeah. In my mind, that was like I sat. I felt I used to feel weird sitting at the bar. Yeah. And now there's like I don't know. I think there's um. People aren't afraid to be bold anymore, mm-hmm. which is good for some people. Negative for most. Did you feel like you were you were afraid to be still bold am. in those in those days? You still, still are. Yeah, I still. I mean, I still not with my friends and stuff, but I, I just feel like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, People need to shut up more, I think, because I, 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 I'm, I, and that includes me. I it's think kind of a funny thing for a comedian to say, but it is. I think, I think what's happening right now in comedy is there's an overexposure of comedians. Mm-hmm. How does that manifest, or what do you, where do you see that that makes you think that? I, I, in uh, social media, social mm-hmm. media, and, and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you, you're seeing uh, too much mm-hmm. of, of the comedian. So then, when they're on stage, you're kind of like, "Well, I know you." Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I, and this is coming from a guy that with a radio show. Yeah, people I was going to say, you're well. 10 hours a, d- a week of, yeah, we do, of radio. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah, we do eight. We do eight. And then um, we do eight Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, Big J and I. And it's on the bonfire, yeah, the bonfire. On, on Comedy Central Sirius. Comedy Central Radio Sirius XM 95. It's the most fun I've ever had doing anything. Yeah. It's but just, do you worry about overexposing yourself? Honestly, in that situation, no, because Jay and I are just trying to be funny the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think overexposure comes for comedians in different ways. It, yeah. It's when you start seeing like, whenever comedians get serious, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, I think that's a dangerous territory mm-hmm. for comedians to go because then it's like, how do you go back to being silly? I feel like that's definitely a divide of the many divides in, in comedy now yeah. is people who, who are sort of in it just funny is funny no matter what and that's my, I think are, that's the school yeah, I come from yeah and, and people who are like I there needs to be some deeper you know darker more serious aspect to this I think but I think uh, they're one and the same yeah I, with this HBO special I have a bunch of dead dad jokes I have a joke about murdering my grandmother and they all stem from the fact that I'm afraid of those things or yeah. I'm sad about those mm-hmm. things I think when people try to point out that they're being dark or serious they're fucking corny. Yeah. I think they're fucking corny. I'm like, <laughs> you're a dork. You're the person in school that got me in trouble for making people laugh in the classroom. Yeah. And I think that's what, those are the comedians that I love are the mm-hmm. people that are like, oh, he, he, this is the only thing I can do. Mm-hmm. I get this fired for jokes about something way. dark. Yeah. That's why I think it's so weird about the cancel culture. Cause I'm like, you're firing people that would get fired everywhere else for every, yeah, for this is the, this. this is the one job you, where you're not yeah, supposed to get fired for doing that at, stuff for you. Are you going to come in and work? You're not. Yeah. A lot of these people that are getting people fired, they don't want to do comedy. They don't want to mm. put in the work. It's a lonely life. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm hypercritical of myself. You deal with uh, substance abuse, you deal with depression. And then it's like all these like, couch warriors these mm-hmm. people on their laptops that are like yeah. he shouldn't do that it's like do you want to go work the albany funny bone in december <laughs> then shut the fuck up yeah you don't want to put in the work yeah the thing i the the thing about cancel culture that i've seen is that you know what the question i guess is whether people are actually getting canceled or whether people are giving those opinions online and they're doing basically real nothing's really happening they're so, doing real harm yeah i know these people I know the people that you're canceling. Mm-hmm. You're, you're but are, actually harming them. Do you who when you think about people getting canceled? I mean, who who do you feel like has actually gotten canceled? Because some of these Shane bigger Gillis. people. Shane Gillis. 
Yeah. Um, Shane Gillis has been a pretty regular uh, guest on your show, right? He's one Over of my the good years. friends. One of your good friends. I've known him for a long time. Um, well, like a long time. I've known him since he moved up from Philly. Were you Were you surprised when when SNL hired him? Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, not because he's. I think he's one of the funniest people out there. Mm-hmm. I th- uh, and I think it was actually like a surprise hire, but it was one of those things where it was like, you know, uh, he said some live shit. Yeah, and was trying to be funny, and got buried. And then they found some old shit where he was just mad mm-hmm. and talking into a microphone. And that's a, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a very interesting situation because I think Shane understands why he got fired. I can't speak for Shane, mm-hmm. but I'm friends with him. Yeah, and I'm not in this culture. I think there's a lot of people. You forget in the entertainment business, there's people that would rather protect their own hides or save their own career than be honest and truthful. And mm-hmm. then you see that hide rot them mm-hmm. where all of a sudden now they're pandering to people that they would have never pandered to in the beginning yeah or that's that has no business you know what i mean i what happened with shane is people that would never have seen his comedy saw the worst parts of his comedy because he got this big spot because he got a big job yeah and so they're like what's the worst thing you've done mm-hmm. because yeah i mean that you we, we didn't see the best stuff that he's done when he's that hilarious. happened. And I don't, I think most people, and I hope I don't, don't get in trouble for saying this, but I, I sat next to him when Andrew Yang called him mm-hmm. after he got fired. And Andrew Yang was like, you're funny. Yeah. Like I watched me and your no, wife. That was an life. interesting thing. The way Andrew Yang decided to handle that. And it was pretty gracious about it. And very gracious yeah. about it. And I felt, I felt bad for Bowen Yang on SNL yeah. for, for getting this amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then it's bogged down, you know, by, this in- story of, of the, his new coworkers a, a racist against Asians, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, I don't know, man. It's you obviously don't see him as a racist against no, Asians. I uh, I don't I don't think he's yeah you know and that'll probably get me canceled. Well, no, I mean it's, for saying that I don't you think know he's, based on that one. If that's all you've seen is that one clip or heard also that if one you've clip, only seen that you, one clip, if have you listened to the entire podcast? Yeah. Do you know the context yeah. of where that joke? Well, I think part from? of the problem there was they took down a lot of the stuff from the internet after Del- yeah no, deleted, it wasn't it, it wasn't after, after. after they after they got posted or all, from YouTube or a lot of it seemed to kind of disappear from it was he when he when he I, I hope I'm not out of pocket saying this when yeah. he screen tested for SNL mm-hmm. he deleted his podcast okay because he was like this is that was basically my open mic. Mm-hmm. I'm deleting it. So it was before people, then I don't know how people, some people found it through I know how ways, people found or, it. Yeah. I know exactly how people yeah. found it. They weren't looking for it. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's other ways to do it. Yeah. Outrage is a, is a cottage industry right now. Mm-hmm. There are journalists who are making money for outrage and they're making a lot of money. CNN is an outrage, Nate, is an yeah. outrage thing. Fox News, they're, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 24-hour what, news that's cycle. That's what drives the clicks and drives uh, viewers and, and all of it, yeah. And unfortunately, that all, all that stuff is tied to capitalism. Mm-hmm. So there's money in there. Yeah. So people are making money. So there's people right now that are actively going after clowns when our <laughs> planet is burning and there's legitimate criminal activity in our government, yeah. and they're worried about the clowns. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Yeah. Because I hope, I, there's just a thing that I've seen with when my friends, outside of Shane, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when I've seen other, Michael Che, I've seen other people get attacked publicly. Yep. There's a thing to always remember. 
that we don't forget who did that. <laughs> so in 10 years, when they're trying to write a cooking book, yeah. and they're like, everything's fine. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. You tried to ruin people's lives. Yeah. And the retraction, as you know, is never as large as the accusation. Right. So when someone fucks up, they never make it as loud as when they were like, that person's a fucking murderer. And you know what I mean? Well, what, what do you think of the argument that you know comedians have the right to joke about whatever they want, but but audiences have the right to complain about whatever they want. 100%. 100%. And I also believe in the line the great Jay-Z said, either love me or leave me alone. Yeah. You cannot like something to move mm -hmm. on. I understand why people are upset about mm -hmm. Shane. Yeah. That, that clip, you hear that clip, that's, you're like, what the fuck yeah. is this? And there also is, we're in such a busy kind of society that people don't want to go listen to the full episode. Mm -hmm. and they don't want to be like, well, was he doing, he was doing a character voice yeah. Of a guy that didn't understand Chinatown. Should mm -hmm. he have used that word? Absolutely not. Yeah. But it's also like you're going to punish him for a joke. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's a weird gray area. Yeah. But I absolutely believe that, yeah, if you don't like something, you shouldn't have to listen to it. How do you think the whole thing reflected on SNL? I mean, I think it looked really bad for SNL. Yeah. So I want to talk about your special because I got to see uh, an early cut of oh, it. Oh, shit. And, okay. Uh, and really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Son of a Gary. Yeah. Um, on HBO. And I think this podcast will come out kind of right before it airs on HBO. Well, maybe HBO pulls it because of this podcast. Oh, well, let's, <laughs> let's hope not. He said anything other than <laughs> I, I, uh, I just love comedy and the opportunity yeah. to do this HBO special was so fucking big for me. Yeah. And uh, no, it's huge. I mean, HBO still holds a very, even though Netflix has kind of taken over in some degrees, I feel like HBO, because they only release, you know, 10 special. or so specials a year, it does make it special. Yeah. Um, so is that part of what made you excited to, to go there? And cause, you, cause you've worked with, you did an hour with comedy central. Yeah. You did the standups, which is a half hour on Netflix, which was awesome. And yeah. now you're doing the hour on HBO. Yeah, I've had it, it's been fun. All three have been fun experiences, um, but this was like the first one that uh, felt Comedy Central Hour felt major, and then it kind of came out and the business model yeah. had evolved past Comedy Central's we're going to air it That's twice. That's what I've heard from people. So I, I just had Dion Cole on the show recently who, who had the exact same thing. He did a Comedy Central Hour and then the stand-ups stand and then he did a Netflix special. And then he did a Netflix hour. And, and so it's the same kind of trajectory. Netflix did that on purpose. Yeah. Netflix got if you look at the stand-ups, yeah, it's all it's, it's uh, Nate Bargatze, yep. Dion Cole, Nikki Glaser, Beth Stelling, Fortune Feimster, and myself. Four out of those for uh, me, Dion, Nate, and Nikki all did hours on Comedy Central. Yep. And then they were like, "Hey, do you want people to see your comedy?" Mm -hmm. Comedy Central does a lot of great things. I love doing the bonfire on their radio station. I think South Park's one of my favorite shows of all time. It kind of feels like stand-up is to Comedy Central what music is to MTV. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Which, by the way, I should amend that statement and say Comedy Central does a great job with the half hours, mm -hmm. and they pick great new comics. Mia no, they're Jackson, giving, they're Tom giving Picard, great, Nori Davis. There's yeah. a lot of great people that are putting out half hours. But you still have to ask whether people are seeing them. Where are they streaming them? Yeah. You're I mean, telling me people are at home Friday night from 11 to midnight to watch stand-up? Yeah. I don't really know yeah. if they are. I mean, I would guess that the half hour on the stand-ups did more for your career than the hour on the on Comedy Central. Do you No th one you knows that? I did an hour. Yeah. I poured my ass into that thing. <laughs> no one knows I did an hour on Comedy Central. 
I still get tweets where people are like, dude, I searched you on iTunes and you have a whole hour. And you're like, yeah. 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 Which is what HBO felt so special because HBO does do the old model. Mm-hmm. Saturday, December 7th at 10 p.m. You can mm-hmm. watch the special. But then it just lives forever on HBO yeah. Go, HBO Now, mm-hmm. HBO. You just There's going to be a lot more accessibility. Yeah. Comedians need accessibility. Mm-hmm. It, it, it helps. I mean, I, was, I know I'm bitching about like, Oh, fucking, you know, there's comedy's never been better. Yeah. It's never been better. You can choose. That's the reason I say either love it or leave it alone. Mm -hmm. You have so many choices. Yeah. If you think a guy like Shane Gillis is hilarious, you can go into Shane Gillis and just and go Mm -hmm. download it, go get a ton of them. You don't need him to be on SNL to see him necessarily. Not at all. Yeah. SNL is similar in a lot of ways, it's similar to the old model of Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. Yeah, SNL would be like, who's this incredible stand-up comedian? Put him on national television. Now everyone knows. Which, listen, it still does work. Yeah. Pete Davidson and Che. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's stand-ups. Chris Redd. A lot of great stand-ups that have gotten put over being on SNL. I don't, it's not necessary anymore. Yeah. Did you ever audition for yeah, SNL? Yeah, twice. Yeah. Screen tested twice. and How did uh, that go for you? First one was so nervous. And, uh, you know... It was like insane. You, you you like screen test and you're like, oh, fuck, there's Lauren Michaels. Yeah. It was one of those things where I didn't think I wanted it, mm-hmm. auditioned, got close, wanted it, then didn't get it. And you're like, why am I heartbroken <laughs> yeah. now? Yeah. Why, why, why the fuck am I? But then, um, man, listen, stand up is a career of no's, mm-hmm. of no's. And like you look at even the can- what we we're talking about with cancel culture. Mm-hmm. You're not really canceling because, by the way, pe- they're still going to comedy clubs. Yeah, because a lot. That was of, kind of my point: is that is anyone actually getting canceled? And to that extent, you're right. Yeah. No, because they're still working. Yeah. Louis still working. Yeah. Shane, Shane will be fine. And by the way, I'm not surprised if in five years, everyone's back being like, well, "Louis hilarious," you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's. I would even say less than that. I would say the yeah. tides. Well, the he's, tor- our, he's, to- he's on tour right now. But I'm saying as far as the, 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 the culture, general. The larger culture. I don't know if he wants that anymore. Yeah. But I'm saying don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah. People go from babyface to heel mm-hmm. and heel back to babyface mm-hmm. all the fucking time. Yeah. And I don't ever lose that. Yeah. With Louie, I think it's a question of what it would take to change to, for that to happen. I mean, I, I think he drops a great special and I think, yeah. and I think it, sh- it, it moves more people than you would think. Yeah. To me, I think he would have to drop a great special that in some way, even if it's comedically addresses yes. what he's been through. 100%. Which, I don't he, think which he hasn't, ever... which he hasn't really done as far as I can started, tell. started to yeah. start. I don't, yeah. I don't know his act, but yeah. I, from what I've seen started to, yeah. and it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's it, it's going to be in an odd place because the twenty four hour news cycle moves so fast that one person can go in a three sixty so fast that you might not even. Yeah, there's people that like don't even know. With the Shane thing, it was hilarious because he had a bunch of texts of like, "Oh my god, congratulations! It's so cool!" <laughs> and the next text was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry!" Yeah, or like, yeah. you know, because it all happened within about three days. It ha- yeah, it happened in a day. Yeah, but it's. Back to our original point of like what you need for stand up. I don't think anyone knows the recipe mm-hmm. because I think some people move so fast and some people it's like you do a half hour. Dion Cole, one of the funniest guys working now, and now he's finally with the Netflix hour. Mm-hmm. It's like Nate Bargatze. Yeah, I, I've known Nate ninety uh, percent of my career. Yeah, he's one of my oldest friends. Always been one of the funniest comedians I've known. Yeah, he's hilarious. Hilarious, and watching him do six Conans. 
fucking 15 Tonight Shows. Everybody's mm-hmm. done a half hour. He's just bam, 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 killing every time. Yeah. Killing, killing, killing. And you're like, all right. And I, and I watched his frustration. Why am I not moving tickets? Why mm-hmm. is it not going? And then we both do the stand-ups. And he, boom, selling out clubs. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not moving. to Bonfire helps me move tickets. Yeah. I talked to Nate about it. And he said that he thinks because he was first on the of the six, we that, the that, made the, that made the difference. Do you want to hear my agent's <laughs> explanation? We have the yeah. same agent. My agent's explanation was, hey, man, when people read a book, they always read chapter one. <laughs> but they don't get to chapter six all the time. And you're like... Did you just call me? Cha- I mean, I yeah. am chapter six. Yeah. But are you saying like, I'm a chapter fuck? six? Yeah. I didn't give a shit because it was also I realized how uh, far stretching streaming is. Yeah. Well, it's also like it's two years ago or whatever. People are still watching it. You know. Yeah, I mean, still. What's great is sometimes the Netflix special leads people back to the Comedy Central hour. Right. If Comedy Central worked a deal out with Hulu like they used to mm-hmm. have, yeah, where you could just stream half hours. You would benefit so many totally. com- comedians and comedy fans. Yeah. I want to watch the old Ted Alexandro or Nick DiPaolo mm-hmm. or the old Dave Attell. Yeah, they should be way more accessible than they are. Way more accessible than they are. Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's pretty, but HBO, that was a thing where yeah. it's like, oh man, there's accessibility and they fucking give a shit. Mm-hmm. I've never seen someone that I've worked with. Netflix was cool and they're professional. Comedy Central is very professional and, and very cool. HBO was like, what do you need to make this? What do yeah. you want to make this? And it was like, oh shit, yeah, this is great. Now like, I just hope people like it. Yeah. What did you What did you tell them? What did you want to to make it? I wanted How did to, you want it? To I be? wanted to do Edinburgh. I wanted to do Edinburgh, mm-hmm. the Fringe Festival. Yeah. I wanted to go and run it for a month because there's jokes about my dad that I think I didn't have worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of, that you said there's a lot of material about your dad who who passed away, and you. I mean, that's the kind of thing where. Does it take a while for you to be able to think about a way to make that funny, or how do how do you how do you go about that? I've always joked around about it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not how do I. It's how do you make other people not (laughs) be sensitive? Yeah, and I think you could see that in the joke Mm -hmm. because I try to explain like people with dead parents Mm -hmm. don't mind making fun of it. Yeah, especially their own dead parents. Yeah, like whatever they're dead. Mm -hmm. Takes a little bit unless you're a sociopath. You're not. I mean, I don't know. I was making fun of it pretty fast because mm-hmm. I think a lot of comedians react like that. That instead of being sad, we'd rather be funny. Mm-hmm. There's like a like there's like a thing where you're like, I just, I need to make fun of this. I need to break the tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it took me a while because those jokes would bomb. Yeah, I'd be like, my dad drank himself to death, and everyone's like, oh fuck. <laughs> I love doing dead dad jokes. <laughs> my dad's dead. <laughs> People with dead dads love dead dad jokes. You know who doesn't like dead dad jokes, surprisingly? People with living dads. Greedy assholes. You're like, yeah, you talking about my papa? Like, shut up. Shut up, it's fucking fine. Well, in Edinburgh, is interesting, too, because there are some more serious, like, one-person shows happening there. The best advice I got for Fringe Festival was I was about to make my hour more of a sad thought piece Mm -hmm. you know yeah which goes against what you were saying before kind of totally goes against it but I thought I was intimidated by fringe Mm -hmm. and I was intimidated like okay I wanted I always want to do a good job it's also something you gotta realize about comedians we all want to be liked yeah we're not on stage just because it's fucking there yeah we're on stage because we're like please like these jokes Mm -hmm. every joke I've ever written I've never been like that's so funny I'm always like is this funny yeah and that's why you go in front of a crowd you're like is this funny 
Mm-hmm. It might not be. There's jokes I've had that are like, no, that's not funny. There's jokes I've had that are like, no, that's not funny. And then a year later, you're like, oh, I found out if you just switch two words, it's hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy. It is. It's what it is. I mean, that's. Ask anyone with a yeah. linguistics degree. That's why you have to go up so many times. And It's and, also why yeah. you fail. It's yeah. also why when someone like Shane, you find a thing he was doing, you know, mm-hmm. that was that was a year ago. That's not a good example. But his yeah. older stuff that they used when they pulled up, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, there's... there's Yeah, or, you know, people like Kevin Hart when they were pulling, that was like decade old stuff. Yeah, and they've yeah. done it to everyone. Trevor yeah. Noah, they did mm-hmm. it. They do it to every new SNL hire. Yep. Anthony Jeselnik had that really funny tweet where he was like, I love this time of year where we dig up yeah. a young comedian's <laughs> past to ruin the best thing they've ever had. But it is a thing where you have to fail and fail and fail. And so I was going to Fringe and I didn't want to fail. And I was like, this is gonna, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was walking uh, from the stand to the comedy cellar with Ari Shafir. Mm-hmm. And Ari was like, you gotta do your jokes. Yeah. What are you doing? Do your jokes, man. Like, just go over there and do an hour. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but they don't like that over there. He goes, that's what the fucking industry tells you. Mm-hmm. The audience, they're gonna want that. They're yeah. gonna want you to be funny. Especially if they're seeing serious shit all day. And all then, day. Yeah. All day. And what it ended, ended up giving me is this opportunity to go to to Scotland and just be like, hey, these are jokes. These are all jokes. Mm-hmm. My dad's dead, but it's funny. And mm-hmm. here's how it's funny. And yeah. then when I, by the time I got back, I was like, that really helped. It helped more than anything. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then, so then that, so you work out the show in Edinburgh and then once you're, you know, how do you know it's sort of ready to to tape as the special and and how do you when you came back when i came back from Edinburgh, i was like oh yeah yeah we're ready to go and yeah then i did five weeks on the road and i think that was a little too much yeah i was by the time i was taping i was almost itchy i was like yeah. let's just go let's go but itchy to, and i to even get forgot tags yeah. yeah i forgot tags i had <laughs> I, I have a bunch of fucking punchlines i have two punchlines that i forgot that aren't in the special mm-hmm. i'm going from here to edit and i'm i'm like mad <laughs> i woke up the girl i was dating thought i was a complete psycho because i just woke up and i was like <gasps> i forgot a tag and she was like what i was like i forgot a tag in the jimmy buffett joke i had a whole thing <laughs> and someone was like it's all right man but you're like no it's too specific it had to go in that joke do you want to share them totally out of context now so that people then listen to the special they'll know i think it to... just explains i explain <laughs> who so i was doing i do a joke in the special about my dad drank himself to death but he was a jimmy buffett fan so yeah. it's okay but then in the UK, they don't really know who Jimmy Buffett is. Yeah. So I explained. I was like, the tag that I missed was I was like, no, he's an American singer-songwriter that writes Caribbean music for alcoholic white people. <laughs> he's the Pied Piper of kidney failure. <laughs> and I just wanted that in there so bad. And you just forgot in the moment? Yeah, I just, yeah. just blew it. Well, now people have to listen to this podcast to hear the, yeah, you the, the, the full the joke. full <laughs> spectrum. You have to really go see it. That that entire process and this entire process of just like getting ready to release it, mm-hmm. it feels weird with the words HBO attached to it. Does it, it makes it feel like a bigger deal? Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Coming up, Dan talks about how it felt when his friend Michelle Wolf got thrown under the bus after hosting the White House Correspondents' Dinner. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by Skylight Frame. The holidays are just around the corner. How's your holiday shopping going? I know it's not always easy to find the perfect gift for the people in your life, and that's why I want you to check out Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network, and enjoy. 
Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to your personal Skylight email address, and they'll pop up in seconds. It is great for keeping the family close and connected, especially those who live far away. It has a black frame and white mat, so it looks just like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. You can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent a photo. And it's a hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund, and you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift. Import pictures of you and the special person in your life that they didn't even know you had. I can think of a bunch of people in my life who would love a skylight frame, including a good friend who's about to have a baby and is going to need somewhere to display all of the new photos they will constantly be taking. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get ten dollars off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's right, to get ten dollars off your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's S K Y L I G H T. F R A M E dot com promo code laugh. Do you, in terms of you know, back to cancel culture stuff, how much do you do you worry about that stuff personally? Like, do you think about, oh, I don't know, should I say this? Is it going to get me in trouble? Is it? I look at it like cancer. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Yeah, uh, you're not going to. I'm not smoking. Yeah. <laughs> But I use my cell phone a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good analogy. It really, I think that's the way every comedian should look at it. Mm -hmm. And then if you get cancer, you deal with it and and you fight it. And what kind of conversations do you feel like you have with, uh, you know, comedians, whether it's someone like Shane or someone like Michael Che, you know, or or anyone who is going through this. Wolf got canceled after the White House Correspondents Yeah. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget who's gone after everybody. Mm -hmm. Y'all, these cancel motherfuckers like to go after everybody. (laughs) So stop, and then well, they, she and, got a lot of praise too. But yeah, she, no, she, she didn't. Surprisingly, no, she didn't. As someone for me, she did. But yeah, as someone that's close to Michelle, <laughs> yeah, as someone that's very close to Michelle and knew those jokes mm-hmm. and had talked to her on the phone several times. Watching the backlash from the left was more insulting than watching. Yeah, the death well, there was from yeah, the right. there was some, especially like that night. Joe Scarsborough, some, that whole show yeah. that needs to be called out. The New York Times, yeah, called her out for, that was, for that an was, inaccurate joke where yeah. they said that they she criticized Sarah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why united healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Huckabee Sanders' looks. The joke was Sarah Huckabee Sanders burns the facts down to ash and uses the ash to make a lovely smoky eye. Yeah. And fucking New York Times. It was Times, kind of complimentary towards her looks. Actually. You want to know why they did that? Why? 
because a bit that Michelle and I talked out in the thing, and I know exactly which joke pissed off the New York Times in the left media, or the media on the left that went after her, because mm-hmm. media on the right buried her, tried to bury her. Yeah. Media on the left went after her because Michelle called out the fact that everyone is profiting off Trump's presidency in the media. Mm -hmm. CNN is making more money than they've ever made. MSNBC is making more money than they've ever made. And they heard that and were like, fuck. Yeah. We got to take her down a notch. She made fun of another woman's looks. Insane. Yeah. Don't ever forget that they did that. Yeah. Because that's some yellow journalism. It's fucking straight up bullshit. It, It was... I, I, these are my friends. That's mm-hmm. why I say when it affects people. Yeah. I'm the one that's on the phone with them. I'm upset because they're upset mm-hmm. because these people are taking shit out of context and really genuinely hurting people that I care about. Yeah. What do you think is the, I mean, is there even an answer to it at this point or is it just sort of part of being a comedian? It's all now? bullshit. Yeah. Just know that. Comics. Is it just ignore? I mean, then is it just ignoring it? Is that the the sort of. Well, outsiders will always be like, comedians close ranks. And they're like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Because you motherfuckers take shit out of context. (laughs) So we got to close ranks. Yeah. My favorite thing is just like uh, that the comedy community takes care of each other Mm -hmm. in a way that Joe List said that to me very, very early on in comedy. He said, no one will get you more work or put you on more shows than other comedians. Mm-hmm. And it's cra- and, and that's been like a North Star for me. Yeah. It's like, all right, I, I love comedy. I love being around comedians. I don't necessarily agree with everything they do, mm-hmm. but I will, for the most part, always take their back. So yeah. when I see a comedian undercut, when a comic gets really big, sometimes what they'll do is they'll undercut comedians or cap them. Mm-hmm. And be like, no, lo- you can no longer make jokes about this mm-hmm. because they're up there. Yeah. So they go, no jokes about this, and it's like, well, you got to come back down, <laughs> and then now we're going to make sure that you remember that you put that cap on. Mm-hmm. So it's not good to ever do that. Yeah. I there's a lot of comedians whose jokes I don't agree with. I flat out some, don't like some comedians' acts. Yeah. But I'll always get their back because mm-hmm. I know they're trying. It's like what we were talking about. You mm-hmm. know, when you fail so much. The space to fail, what's, what's weird, man, is I remember growing up, I remember adults would always use the phrase, I don't care for it. If mm. they didn't like something, yeah. they'd be like, I don't care for that. Yeah. And that just kind of knew of a way of like, I don't like this, I'm not going to fuck with it. Yeah. And everyone would be like, okay. That's kind of gone. Completely gone. Yeah. Completely gone. If I hear something and I don't like it, a band, eh, not really for me. Yeah. If I try a dish at a restaurant and I don't like it, eh, not really for me. I had, a, I had the risotto at this restaurant in New York. I got through like three bites, and I was like, this, uh, this isn't it. Yeah. And immediately the person I was with was like, send it back. Get something you like. Well, I've already ate a third of it. <laughs> no. I just don't like it. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. Mm-hmm. I just know. You're not going to cause a. I'm not going to get the waiter it. fired. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking <laughs> ask the restaurant to apologize. I'm just not going to order that dish when I come back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think comedy... Listen, a lot of comedy, we we use the premises to get you to pay attention, and then we can trick you into getting the joke off. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking to do. Yeah, jabs and boxing set up hooks. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't if you come out and throw hooks, no one's going to be hit by the punch. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a setup. It's a dance. You give a premise, you try to fake people out, and then you go another way to where it's funny, where it relieves the pressure. It's fucking. It's really. A fun and hard thing to do, mm-hmm. but it's a fun thing. It's like a puzzle every time. It's weird if someone dumped out a puzzle 
and you started fixing the puzzle, and they're like, I don't like this, and they just cleared it <laughs> off, and you're like, I wasn't even done with the puzzle. I was close to figuring out the puzzle, and they're like, you went with corner pieces first, and you're like, that's how I solve puzzles. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but it feels, yeah. that's yeah. how I feel sometimes. Yeah. And that so people are jumping all over you or, or anyone before you've really finished or put out what you're what you're trying for to say. Sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I comedy is for like broken, weird idiots. Mm hmm. <laughs> I just that's how I describe myself. So I think it's we it's like it's a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect fit for people that just want to be silly. And I always got in trouble. For yeah. Talking shit. Mm -hmm. Not like talking shit, like trying to fight people, but like making fun of situations. Mm -hmm. And then that's when, when you ask, like, what is it like? I moved to New York and I was like, oh, these are all the other people. Yeah. You found your people. Found my people. You're like, oh, you got kicked out. And, I, I, and it doesn't. I'm talking about some of the people I hang out with came up from such different backgrounds that and were so similar mm -hmm. that you're just like, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> you got Michelle Wolf, who's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. And Shane Gillis, who's from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And then, like, I'm from Denver. And then we're just friends with Che, who's from the Lower East Side in New York City. You know, it's like mm -hmm. all these people. But then you get us together and you're like, oh, did you guys grow up together? Because you guys all have <laughs> similar sensibilities where you're laughing yeah. about the same shit. Yeah. And that's what I like about comedy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, if I could say this in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, I know I'm a white guy or whatever, but I'm, but. And I think it's it's got to be harder for people that aren't straight white men. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine how much harder it is. Yeah. But what I've noticed about comedy is it's been gentrified by people that aren't comedy fans. Mm -hmm. So because of the popularity of comedy, someone that normally would have been like, I don't really care for stand-up. Yeah. You have to go to a club. I don't really care for that. Now they're like, oh, everyone likes comedy. Well, let me go watch comedy. And then they don't like it. <laughs> and then they're like, this is bullshit. And mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, well, you weren't supposed to be here anyways. Yeah, it's, it's like, like when all the white Because it's gotten so popular, yeah. it, it's gotten more scrutiny or it's gotten more, yeah. It basically became what like, you know, kind of like it, in a weird way, it felt like when all those white women were calling the cops on black barbecues mm -hmm. or black people. You're kind of like, hey, this is our fun. Yeah. Like comics are over here having fun. Yeah. We're not going to call the police on each other. Mm -hmm. But then someone else will be like, they were saying this. And you're yeah. like, yeah, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> None of us are mad about that. What are you? Let us have our fun over here. Yeah. It, it, it feels kind of weird. And I think inevitably we won't see a pop of a comedy balloon like we did in the 80s and early 90s. Mm -hmm. I think eventually what will happen is people will get bored of stand-up because they'll realize how hard the work is and how much time you have to put in. Mm-hmm. And once they realize it's not just a quick grab for Instagram followers, they'll leave it while also shit talking it. Yeah. They'll leave and they'll be like, it was a toxic world. Mark my words. Yeah. In five years, you'll hear a lot of people that were futzing around with stand up being like, it's a dark under, it's not a dark world. It's a bunch <laughs> of silly boys and girls mm -hmm. having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's really weird to see that because it's like, have you ever had something taken too seriously where you're like, you don't even think it's that big of a deal? Yeah, and then everyone else is, is taking it too seriously. That's yeah. how comedy feels right now. Yeah. Everyone's taking it far too seriously. <laughs> like, don't worry, guys. The earth is burning. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the premise of this show is take, no, yeah. taking comedy too seriously. Yeah. But yeah. No, but I think you, I, can, I see what I you, think you can look at comedy critically and not take it seriously. Right. I think and, you can, and appreciate it. 
podcasts. 100%. Yeah. I think the only reason there is a podcast like this is because you appreciate comedy. Yeah. You sat and watched my hour. There's people that are criticizing me that will watch the trailer and not yeah. watch the hour. Yeah. So I don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. it. I think something that I've really dealt with my whole life is uh, being an only child and being uh, raised by a single mom who just worked all the time and I was just alone. Mm-hmm. And my dad didn't want to be in my life. So you have this thing where you're like, uh, I want people to like me because I felt like no one liked me when I was a kid. I felt like no one wanted to hang out with me. I was just by myself all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like this weird thing where I've had to deal with like, oh, I want everyone to like me. And now in my 30s, I've realized like, I don't need everyone to like me. (laughs) In fact, it's very dangerous to want that. Yeah. Pull that back. Mm -hmm. When people come up to me and they know me from billions, they don't know me. Yeah. They, well, that's a character that you play on a on a show. Please tell that to a lot of <laughs> the finance bros that walk up and really? s- stick their sweatered vest fingers in my face. That's hilarious. But the, and then what do they someone, what do they say? Mafi, <laughs> hey Mafi, billions. <laughs> the show is so smart. How are these idiots watching such a <laughs> such a smart show? I don't think they're getting the same thing out of it that, uh, that other people are. are. <laughs> definitely don't think they are. But if someone walks up to me and they're like, "Hey man, I listen to the Bonfire," you know me. Yeah. You know my sensibility. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, Dan discusses the effect that working with gender non-binary actor Asia Kate Dillon on Billions has had on him. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by, you guessed it, my favorite CBD gum, Euphoric. If you listen to this show, you know that comedians can be very anxious. They could probably use some Euphoric. The entire CBD industry is talking about this innovative, patented hemp oil-infused chewing gum. What makes Euphoric so special? Euphoric hemp oil-infused chewing gum is not your average gum. In fact, it's an innovative patented delivery system. What makes this gum so innovative, you ask? Euphoric combines powerful chewing benefits with the heavily researched benefits of a full-spectrum hemp oil, which is rich in naturally occurring phytocannabinoids, including CBD. As a chewing gum, Euphoric brings more innovation with its patented delivery system that allows all the action to happen in the mouth. The long-lasting mint flavor and the consistency make it possible to chew it longer, which increases absorption in the mouth. In fact, Euphoric hemp oil-infused chewing gum has the best absorption rate on the market, 84%. That's 50% greater than other products that must be digested. Euphoric gum, however, keeps the hemp oil in the mouth longer where it is absorbed without ever passing through the digestive system. Plus, the simple act of chewing has scientifically been shown to help improve memory, cognitive function, and oral health, and even reduce anxiety. That's why Euphoric is the best gum you'll ever chew. Euphoric is legal in all 50 states. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, and even supports dental health because it contains xylitol. Want to see what all the Euphoric fuss is about? Right now, our listeners get free shipping with their order when you visit lovethisgum.com. This is a special podcast exclusive, and when you support our sponsors, you support our show. Just go to lovethisgum.com to get free shipping, plus an additional bonus discount on select offers. That's lovethisgum.com. What I want to do now before we end is just run through a couple of things that we didn't get to talk about um, and uh, see if there's a sort of a memory or a story that, sure. that jumps out. Um, do you, what do you remember about your late night stand-up debut? 
I remember drinking a beer in the shower at Nate Bargetti's apartment in Los Angeles. <laughs> this was on Conan? This was Conan. Uh, yeah. This was uh, January 7th, 2000, or no, it was like January 6th or 7th, 2013. Mm-hmm. It was the night of the national football, uh, national championship game between Alabama and uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Nate had moved from New York to Nashville to have his daughter Harper. And then they moved from Nashville to Los Angeles and got a townhouse. Mm-hmm. And I was doing Conan uh, probably like a month after they moved in mm-hmm. to their townhouse. And I stayed at, at their house. Harper was maybe six months old. It was great. Uh, we had fun. We were drinking beers. And then I remember the day of, I, I was so nervous that Nate and I had a beer on his on his patio. And then I, I, I took it with me to the bathroom to shower. Mm-hmm. I, we went to Conan. Nate had done Conan like fucking. He knew everyone. He yeah. like, knew the producers. He knew everyone <laughs> there. That helped me so much. Yeah, because it was like going with your big brother to work. Mm-hmm. And he just we sat in the green room. They found an Xbox 360, and I, nice. my favorite video game of all time is NCAA college football. And Nate and I played Alabama Notre Dame. JP Buck, who works at Conan, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite people in comedy. Uh, as a human being, as a professional. He just gets it. Mm-hmm. You rarely see people on that side. That is he just, a writer or he's a... He's a booker for Conan. Booker, yeah. Uh, he's a producer, booker. Uh, he's the shit. J.P. Yeah. Buck is the shit. I'll, I'll go to war for J.P. Buck any yeah. day. Well, they have a lot of good comedians on the show, so... He knows comedy. He knows yeah. it very well. And so he kind of saw that we were just... And he, it was just me, J.P., and Nate hanging out. I had a coffee. Super nervous. I went. They, You know, you do the run-through or whatever. And I'll never forget standing behind the curtain... Looking down at my feet, very nervous, and I just hear Nate's voice somewhere behind me go, you just going to look at your feet the whole time? <laughs> and I look over, and it's him and JP going around to watch my set. Yeah. But as I'm watching them, the curtains open up. <laughs> and I was like, ah! And it just it just took me out of my head. Yeah. And I walked out and did the set. And I, you black out. Yeah. I've, I've asked a lot of comics about this. I think I talked to Joe List about his Letterman. I mm-hmm. talked to Nate about his first Conan. You don't really remember it yeah it goes by pretty fast it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like a fist fight you're yeah. just kind of like I'm, I'm, i think i'm doing the right thing <laughs> let's hope this works but it got yeah it was it, and then it was over and then i was just <laughs> talking to conan and i was like man he really is tall <laughs> i was raised by a single mom which basically meant uh i ruined most of the 80s for her <laughs> i didn't know what dating was it was five when my mom started dating some guy would come over i'd be like cool a new roommate don't touch my stuff. <laughs> By the time I was seven, I was like a grizzled veteran. I was the one answering the door, smoking a Winston. <laughs> Just all confident, like, what's up, chief? You here for the old lady? <laughs> right on. <laughs> Quick secret, you buy me a Ninja Turtle toy, I'll go get lost in that garage for an hour. And then, uh, that's where you trust comedians. Mm-hmm. Because Nate was like, it was great. Yeah. He was like, it was really great. And that's how I felt about Son of Gary when I got off stage. Yeah. I looked to Wolf and Big J mm-hmm. and Shane and Nate, who were all there. Mm-hmm. And you give them that, like, was that all right? And yeah. they're like, yeah, you got it. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. you sure? And you still don't know. Yeah. After a special... Would, would they tell you if it wasn't? You yeah. hope they would. 
Yeah. yeah. I think they would. I think I have enough faith in my yeah. friends that they would. But I feel like after you tape a special, they should wrap an army blanket around you. <laughs> yeah. Because you're just kind of like. Like a marathon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, get one of those shiny silver <laughs> blankets. And you're just like, this is yeah. all right. Yeah. I need Gatorade. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. But that's that's what I remember about my, my first late night. Um. Your first uh, film credit, at least on IMDb, yeah. is Dumpster Guy in yeah. Trainwreck with Shout Amy Schumer. Shout out Amy Schumer for giving me the coolest IMDb title. <laughs> what do you remember about that experience? I remember I, it was supposed to be someone else, and he couldn't get his Canadian paperwork done. Oh, yeah. And so Amy called me and was like, hey, uh, do you want to be in my movie? And I was like, yeah, what's up? She's like, we have to make out next to a dumpster. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and it was easy. It was a one-day shoot. I just missed the scene where they filmed it with Marv Albert, LeBron James, and Chris Everett. So there was like a bunch of like famous, legendary athletes. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, let's go make out in this alley. <laughs> and but yeah, I remember the process was the first big budget anything I've been and on. And you knew her from, I mean, from comedy, but also from Inside Amy Schumer you worked on too, right? Yeah, I knew Amy from comedy. I knew yeah. Amy from coming up, doing stand-up. And she took care of a lot of comedians on Inside Amy. She gave a lot of people acting work yeah. on Inside Amy that hadn't had it before, including mm-hmm. myself. That, yeah. was, that was a big thing. Yeah. Was really, she put me in a couple sketches, and as the seasons, was on, seasons went on, she kind of gave me bigger sketches. And Yeah, it was, it was fucking great, man. That Inside Amy crew was super awesome. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about Billions, but I think there is this, like, I think there's people who obviously know you from comedy, and there's a totally other group of people that know you from Billions. Yeah, we don't worry about them. I mean, if uh, they, those that find us, <laughs> hello and you're yeah. welcome, but we're, you know. Yeah. Well, I think you're great on the show. Thanks. Um, I think, and it's it's a, you know, it's a really interesting uh, evolution of that show, and your character has become bigger over the years. It's crazy. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've um, been very, do you like, very, very nice. Do you like them. doing it? I mean, it is. Love doing it. Yeah. I think it's a really cool thing to do, and I think... <laughs> it's a really cool learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think it's the only opportunity I get to be around people like uh, Damian Lewis, David Costable, Asia Kate Dillon, Maggie Siff, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Daniel K. Isaac, uh, Kelly O'Coin. Just it, like people that I watch act and I'm like, you're a fucking actor. Yeah. Like they can act. And those are the people I ask questions to. Yeah. Kind of like comedians. It's mm-hmm. like, I tell them, like, I'm a comic trying to learn how to act. Please give me notes. Give mm-hmm. me any advice you can. Yeah. They've all been so great. So great and so supportive. I've worked a lot with Asia, and they are so supportive that it is amazing. Yeah. Very easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Very easy to work with someone that is that supportive. Yeah, I wanted to ask about um, Asia. Kate Dillon is, um, is gender non-binary yeah. um, and has been a big activist in that space. For sure. What Has, has working with them made you think um, differently about gender issues and all that kind of stuff? I always feel, uh, I've always felt like uh, you don't know what a person is going through. Mm -hmm. And if you can help that person go through whatever they're going through, whether it be realizing who they are as a total person, you should help out. I don't Mm -hmm. think you should be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick. (laughs) Don't ever be a dick. And I see with Asia that they, 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 their pronouns are there, there and them. Mm -hmm. And um, I respect that. Yeah. And I respect them. And mm-hmm. so there's been directors that don't pick up on it or don't have trouble with it or have trouble with it. Yeah. And there's a very easy ways to be like, well, are they so when they walk in and they're like, oh, when they walk in mm-hmm. and they pick up on it. Yeah. I think the show the show's been pretty educational, too, for people, I think. Yeah, I think I think for viewers, I mean, and yeah. Brian Koppelman and David Levine are two of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. But they're also two of the best people I've ever met in my life and mm-hmm. they really give a shit. And. 
I've talked to a lot of people on set that say that that that, that this working environment isn't normal for a show this mm-hmm. large. Yeah, how easy it is and how everyone gives a shit about each other and everyone's super supportive, very very supportive. We just did the first table read. We're we're back filming now. What's, this, this, this is, is season November, uh, season five. Five, yeah. But immediately, hugs and everyone's it's it's fucking cool, man. It's yeah. and it's cool, and I think a lot of the credit goes to not only Brian and David, but the producers and in the top of show, mm-hmm. Damian, Maggie, Paul, Condola, they all kind of set a tone mm-hmm. that people like me are, I'm a smart ass. I'm a class clown. <laughs> you know, I break tension. There's no, there's not a lot of tension to break. Yeah. Everyone's super fucking supportive. Yeah, that's great. And really good people. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been very lucky to work on that show. Yeah. Does and it I, does it make you want to do uh, more acting? It makes me want to make stuff where I can't act in it. Mm-hmm. But Like write your own stuff. Yeah, for sure. And other be in other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times when people think acting, they think you always want to be a leading man. Yeah. But I, my favorite actor is David Costable. Yeah. He's fucking... Yeah. He's amazing on the on, show. In everything he's yeah. in. Yeah, Breaking Bad. And, Gale. Yeah. He's in The Wire. Yeah. He's in Lincoln. He's a guy that I watch, and he's such an awesome dude. And so fucking good at what he does. Yeah. There's a scene in season four where I yell at Maggie Siff's character, Wendy Rhodes, and I come off an elevator, and I've never done angry mm-hmm. on, on film. Yeah. I've never done angry I rarely, I smoke a lot of weed. I yeah. rarely do angry in real life. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any fucking idea what you've done? I used to think you were this idealized version of a person with all the answers and the ability to make each of us the best of who we could be. I trusted you, we all did, because you charmed, manipulated, worked us too. All with that bullshit Buddha smile. And now, I know that what was behind that smile wasn't some serene and wise teacher, it hit a sick, vicious phony. Now I know what you really are, a goddamn monster. I would have to do the take, then go back in the elevator, and they'd shut the elevator doors, and then we'd reset, and we'd do it again. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you're on a sound stage, but I was in a heavy winter coat, so I had to take my winter coat off because I was starting to sweat after yelling for, mm-hmm. for three minutes or whatever, however, yeah. two minutes, however long the scene is. And I, I fake fight with Kelly O'Coin, the dollar bill. And Costable's upstairs. Yeah. Right? And so no one on can the see balcony, him. On the balcony. Yeah. yeah. And I'm in the elevator, and he just, I'll never forget, he comes to the balcony, and, and I see him, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, that take. You know? like <laughs> He's coaching you from the from the balcony. And it, I don't know if he'll ever know how important that moment was, mm-hmm. but it was just kind of like, oh, good job. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm doing, okay, I'm doing <laughs> this right. Yeah. Because I don't fucking know. Yeah. I could, I, I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue. Sometimes I have a better feeling after four seasons, kind of a better feeling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that like that kind of supportive mentality. That's cool. Is great. And there's a lot of great people on that show. So I want to end with with this question. Um, when you when you look back on your time in comedy, who's the funniest person that you've ever worked with? Could be on a set or in Big the clubs. J- Big Jokerson. Yeah. Big Jokerson is. And what what makes him? I, I'm going to tear up talking about him. Yeah. I swear to God, I'm going to tear. He cried on a podcast talking about us, so maybe it's my <laughs> turn to cry on a podcast talking about him. He is, um, you know, when you get a job or you go to a school or you go to somewhere super very uncomfortable and you're scared and you're nervous and mm-hmm. you meet one person that just seems to be an ointment of relaxation and funny, and they just immediately you just feeling. You, that's Jay. Mm-hmm. Jay's the funniest, 
person I've ever seen. I, I've said pound for pound, Joe List and, and, and Big J Okerson are just the funniest people I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. Shane Gillis, too. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are like, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they're like, he can't, he's a racist. He's so fucking funny. And I know he'll never tell this story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back to Jay, because yeah. I, I, I could go forever on yeah. Jay. But Shane, when he was getting canceled, mm-hmm. I had dinner with him the night he got SNL. Okay. Very nervous. He's like, I don't know if I want this job. Mm. We talk in the morning. I fly to Portland, Oregon to do shows at Helium. Okay. I land in Portland. He is canceled. Yeah. It's out. Mm-hmm. The Variety article's out. Yeah. Little Sethy Simons did his damage and blew up his career. Um, I call Shane mm-hmm. and his I call his phone. It rings twice and he just picks up and goes, babe. Everyone's mad at me. And it was the hardest. What a funny reaction. The world is collapsing yeah. on you. He found a way he, he, he found a way to, to have a sense of humor about it. To, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Joe List. Um, I hope he doesn't get mad at me saying this. Mm-hmm. We've known each other for years. And, mm-hmm. he, and he's had a joke about it. But he got herpes mm-hmm. and got on the subway to, with me to go in and do spots at fucking Broadway Comedy Club or Stand Up New York. I forgot where we were. Mm-hmm. It's like almost 10 years ago. It was 2010. And we get on the subway. And this is just how funny Joe List is. He's like, dude, I fucking, you know, his Boston accent. He's like, I got fucking herpes, dude. And I was like, oh, yeah, man. One time I had a scare. Turned out it was a pimple. And he goes, I got 40 fucking lesions on my dick right now. I got herpes. It's not a scare. It was one of the funniest things that someone was like, Fuck your scare. Yeah. I'm actually going through it. And it's it's like those kind of people mm. I love. Wolf is hilarious. Like, yeah. I could keep naming like yeah, the funniest yeah, people yeah. I know. Wolf in between specials, tapings. I've quit drinking six years ago. Mm-hmm. And in between, I didn't like the first crowd. I didn't feel like I did well. Mm-hmm. I didn't like my performance on the yeah. first taping. On the second taping, we got it. But on the first taping, I, after the show, it's just she and I in the, in, uh, her and I in the green room. I don't know. My English is always uh, terrible. <laughs> We're hanging out in the green room, and Michelle out of nowhere just claps her hands, and she goes, I know the problem. We got to get you hammered. And it <laughs> fucking made me laugh. But that's the kind of humor that I like being around, just that people can pull it out of nowhere, and no one is better at that than Big mm-hmm. J. Hookerson. No one is better at taking a situation and making me laugh fucking hard. Yeah. We, man, the story we've been telling recently was we were in the elevator at Sirius, and I, ca- you know, you, we wear headphones, mm-hmm. and I had longer, my hair was long, mm-hmm. and I was going to do stand-up, so I had, took out a little comb, and I was, like, combing mm-hmm. my hair, and Jay's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I'm combing my hair, I had headphone hair, and, it, and I'm like, feel how soft it is, and he's like, oh, my hair is softer, and it's Jay, uh, Christine, who's Jay's girlfriend and our producer, mm-hmm. and I in the elevator. And then Christine's like feeling our hair. And <laughs> comparing then, the yeah. comparing the hair. And then these three businessmen from NBC, which is like a couple floors below us, get on. And one of the guys is like, What are you guys doing? And I was like, We're saying my hair soft. And he goes, Can I touch? And he like <laughs> he touches my hair and then he touches Jay. And then another guy goes, Can I touch? And then Jay out of nowhere just starts fake tapping everyone's genitals. And he goes, Ooh, are we about to do this? And it was it's just one of those things where you're like, dude, that's so funny to fake an orgy. You know what I mean? Like, it's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but God damn it. He just makes me laugh. There's times where like, man, I've laughed on the bonfire mm-hmm. where I've never laughed harder yeah. in my life ever. Yeah. Like, gotten sick because mm-hmm. I was laughing. And that's like, if you ever get to hang out with Big J, 
it, you're lucky. Yeah. He's just that fun. And you get to hang out with him uh, every day. Eight hours a week. Yeah. I said 10, but I, I overestimated yeah. it. I, I don't know why I thought yeah. we'd do more work. Maybe <laughs> I'm trying to get that Friday show. Yeah. But, it, yeah, man, it's like when you have that friend, you, he's just, dude, he's just the funniest. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for doing this today. Yeah, thanks and for having me. congrats on the new special. I've, we had a, quite the conversation. We did. Do you think I'm going to be canceled for it? I don't think so. Maybe I'll go back to Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. I was pretty good at stocking comforters. <laughs> well, if, if you get canceled, that's where you can find... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come get a... Come find Dan at Bed Bath & Beyond. Don't forget our holiday sale is coming <laughs> up at Bed Bath & Beyond, where you can get gifts for the whole family. <laughs> canceled Dan. Uh, I'm canceled Dan! All right. Yeah, dude, thanks. <laughs> Thank you again to Dan Soder for meeting up with us in New York and to Audio Boom Studios for letting us record there. You can watch Dan's new special, Son of a Gary, when it premieres on HBO this Saturday night, December 7th at 10 p.m. Eastern, and stream it on HBO Go and HBO Now after that. The Bonfire airs on Comedy Central Radio, Sirius XM Channel 95, Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you on Friday for a special bonus episode with comedian Eliza Schlesinger. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.